0: Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for February 20th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com.
1: I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHats.com.
0: This week on the podcast, we will catch up with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who uh, continue their up-and-down season, uh, flirting with the second wild card spot. Uh, we will also talk about the St. Louis Blues and... You know, you know how we roll. Anything else that comes to mind? Um, <laughs> so we are going to start with the Pittsburgh Penguins, as I am frustratingly looking at this piece of shit Surface Pro, and the charger's finicky, and it's going to die, and this stupid fucking button won't stay lit.
1: And so I'm we could literally,
0: it. we could literally just disappear. I'm jiggling it right now. Okay. Okay. I think I bought us, what, 30 seconds? Okay, cool. All right, well,
1: that's how we've gone so far. This is, what, start number three?
0: So the reason I'm a little finicky is, is, yeah, the Surface pro, but um, I hate being talked down to um, as a fan or someone who follows the sport when somebody royally makes a fuck-up and then they try to pass the buck like it's not, and that would be Mr. Jim Rutherford and his comments about Jack (laughs) Johnson today. And I just don't have any tolerance for somebody that's trying to explain and talk off how, in fact, it wasn't a mistake and to actually double down on it and to say he's playing fine. Um, it's tough to get into an argument with somebody like this because um, the analytics stuff is just window dressing. They're just um, they're just comments to, to placate the public. Because if he had any sense of basic analytics, you, you don't make that signing. So it's tough to argue back against somebody who clearly doesn't give a shit. Well, the
1: the other thing about it is it's like I've seen uh, fans go backwards and forwards w- w- with Seth Roylboy about I- exactly this this conversation.
0: Who no, he he basically... gives a shit about that guy?
1: No, my I've point had him being on mute for years. He's he's He quite he's, clearly is the voice of the team, right? And he gets there guys they just don't care about them. They just don't follow them in regards to the way that the fans do, and they, they and he's saying this in defence of Jack Johnson. So that's kind of it fits exactly And when he, when Rutherford gets there and says, Oh, the media and the fans never gave him a chance, there's a goddamn Jason Mackey article, five reasons why the Jack Johnson trade uh, Jack Johnson signing might just work. Like they, the, the local media tried their hardest to make this a positive signing, even though the fan base was quite clearly unhappy.
0: And that's the other part about this that I find so comical. He's been placated and coddled so much in Pittsburgh's media because nobody will ask him a tough question, that when he does royally fuck up and there's even mild criticism from the people that normally just blindly appeal to him, that he gets bent out of shape.
1: That's why he was in Carolina for so long. No scrutiny. Yeah, none. Comes in, in, wins two cups, almost every general manager that that has that kind of success straight off the bat, same with the coach actually, kind of doesn't get any criticism because everyone's like, well, he knows what he's doing, he's won a cup. But there have been signings all the way through this this tenure with Rutherford that have you shaking your head. And, And... this was the most egregious I, as you said when it was made don't make mistakes that you can avoid and this was one that should never have occurred
0: it's good life advice
1: um, actually, that's a good point never
0: been given a chance here right from the start rutherford said and this is from joshioe from the athletic and i don't understand it it's been extremely unfair to him extremely he's a good player it hasn't been unfair to anybody Jack Johnson is making 15 freaking million dollars off of this contract that nobody else was going to give him but you. And, and quite frankly, yes, the internet's a very volatile place. I'm sure there are people on the internet taking personal pot shots at Jack Johnson, the person, probably his financial history with his parents. Um, you have never. That is not what's happening here with uh, both of us. We are talking about this from a hockey point of view. Not Jack Johnson, the person. Um, We're not in the locker room. We're reminded of that all the time. So I'm not going to (laughs) pretend like I know him. I don't care to know him. And quite frankly, I don't need to know him to analyze the on-ice product. So not giving him a chance. He's been in the league for 13 fucking years. And he's been bad at every stop. This isn't a young 20-year-old player that you're just like, oh, well, you know, this isn't the Rasmus Ristolainen dance that people are doing right now, but guess what? That's headed a certain direction, too. But at least he, <laughs> at least he can put up points on the power play. Yeah, you know, Jack Johnson is currently 168th out of 183 players at producing offense five-on-five five among defensemen who have played 500 minutes. Why do I know that? Because I looked it up for my stupid article today. Because that's how shitty he is, and that's how shitty the comments are from this GM.
1: I, I didn't think this was going to make you quite this angry, but this is good. Um, the thing for me with Jack Johnson was, oh, he can make a good outlet pass, and he positions himself well uh, along the blue line with gap control. None of that is, if you look at it purely from the, the eye test on the ice, every player he plays with looks worse. And I'm at a point right now where I would much rather Rikler in the lineup and Rue in the lineup ahead of him.
0: Well guess what? GM's doubling down on how he's a valuable piece of the roster. He's not leaving the top four.
1: My only my only dream is that he's saying this to sell him off, but no one else is going to take that contract on.
0: He doesn't believe that he's bad. He's the he's the guy that drafted yeah. him. He doesn't want to admit 15 years later that the number three overall pick sucked and he took him and he sucked the whole time. And now after he had to have him back, he sucks again,
1: but he didn't have to have him back. That's the stupid thing. That's where I get. It's not like he was a throwing in a trade for a a star player that we had to take the salary to, to make something work. He did this by choice and they
0: did that to make room for him. That's right. They did exactly because anytime we, you want to get Shearer, yeah. a player worse than Matt Hunwick, signed for longer than Matt Hunwick, signed for more than Matt Hunwick, and you got to give up a good top nine forward uh, that currently has one point seven four points per sixty for the Buffalo Sabers, you should probably do that. And they did. So great, great. It's Matt Hunwick. You demoted. Uh, you got worse than Matt <laughs> Hunwick for longer and more money. And it cost you uh, a, a left winger, which, gee, um, probably could use one of those because that Tanner Pearson trade ain't looking so hot right now. Um, but, anyways, here, here's uh, some with or without you, Jack Johnson. Not not to, for individuals on the team, just the team overall. Uh, when Jack Johnson's on the ice, 45% of the shot attempts are for the Penguins. When he's off, it's 50 shade over 50. So a 5% jump. Goals for, well, gee, Jim doesn't like analytics. Well, how about goal differential? Is that one too in-depth here? Um, (laughs) 40% with Jack Johnson on the ice, 59.3-ish or something like that without him. 20% gain in goal differential. I hope that one's not too difficult for people to pick apart. Um, here's a little advanced one for us, high-danger uh, shot attempts. Uh, when he's on the ice, it's about 46-ish, and when he's off, it's close to 55% for the Penguins. That's like nine. Good God. So so where where is this good? I, I, I got shot attempts. I've got actual goals. Uh, even for those that want to talk shot quality, I've got the high-danger chances. So what are we doing here? And you know, not-for-nothing quality of teammate, he's been glued to Evgeny Malkin, who, by the way, is cold. I wonder if that's Malkin's fault.
1: Yeah, well, who came back? Who who got on fire?
0: Yeah, Schultz came back, and Malkin got to play a few minutes with a guy without his head up his ass, and (laughs) he started to actually produce a little bit again. Now, now Malkin was hurt, so getting healthy is also important. But also having an NHL player on defense is, is is helpful too.
1: Well, you can actually throw an outlet pass and skate it out if he needs to.
0: So I hope all this. Um, I hope this isn't too statistical. All these fancy numbers we're throwing around here. I'd hate to give oh, anybody a headache.
1: Got enough sarcasm floating around on that one.
0: Yeah, well, I'm a little perturbed because I'm sick of the way this team is covered. I'm sick of being one of few that um, just call out, just base. It, it's like just basic things. Like, the, yeah, I don't claim like I'm doing anything great, but it's just the tidal wave of all the appeal to authority people that you have to absorb because of the way this team is covered. It's gross. It's so stupid. And the one guy that pushed back's
1: not on the beat anymore. And I think he did that in a dickish kind of way at times as well.
0: Oh, (laughs) Rossi.
1: Yeah. He's the one guy that that ever challenged them in press conferences when he was on the beat.
0: And and you know what? There'd be value in that if he didn't just totally go off the deep end with all the other batshit crazy stuff he'd say just to get a reaction. If he, yeah. if he would just then, not try to be the pro wrestling heel reporter and just ask the tough questions, there'd be a ton of value in that. But he went yeah. in a different direction, so.
1: And there's nobody on the beat now willing to do it.
0: Not Zero. More. Two cops can't can't uh, can't ask a tough question. Um, you know, certainly didn't inherit a, a top heavy roster that needed just the fringe elements to be fixed.
1: <laughs> Speaking of fringe elements dad looks like he's going to fit in okay.
0: No we're, we're done with this.
1: Oh well you can keep going if you want it's just that you've read off everything numbers wise that works and it's this is the, the Pearson thing is the same it quite clearly isn't going to fit but what do you do with the back six if Johnson's going to play and they're going to play him in the top four aren't they?
0: Yes, I mean, that. that, that it, it appears that they are willing to go down against a good team because they can't not play a bad player that has every bit of... It doesn't even matter when... A, like you've said, it does not matter what angle you're coming at this from. No. He looks bad when you watch the games. Like, he... He's physical, yeah, he hits people into our goalie all the time. It's really awesome. <laughs> um, or the numbers, which, you know, I just gave a few of the basic ones. Just simplistic. Here's what happens when he's on the ice. Here's how the team looks when he's off the ice. It's pretty drastic. And I, I sometimes players like that, the Thomas Vanix of the world that are really terrible possession players these days, but they still will put up like 1.9-ish points per 60, so there's kind of a little bit of value there. I I told you, he's like 168th out of 183 uh, players that have played similar amounts of time. So that's that's not being made up either. So Justin Schultz, thank God he's back, but fuck Justin, here you go. Have fun.
1: Yeah, that's Gonna be um. People will get there and go, "Oh, Schultz is just struggling because he missed half the year," which could be a legitimate argument. But throw him with somebody else, give him a chance with somebody else. You know, I mean, they've lost Marta. Marta might be the only like if they had Marta, maybe Johnson might be a third pairing defense. I, I
0: don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, no. You... I, for me, it's like if Marta was there, you'd go, will they trust Ollie. Maybe they'll play him as the other half of the Schultz pairing. And that means Johnson would have to be relegated to a third-pairing defenseman. His, his, his penalty kill work is not so great that you can make the justification to keep him in the lineup like they do with Matt Cullen, which I still don't think is that
0: fantastic. That Collins penalty count know I mean? work isn't that good these No, days, that's so. that's
1: that's my point. The two the, the two guys that they they kind of have in the lineup because they go well these guys are brilliant when we're shorthanded. I don't think of doing that. So at what point does does Mike Sullivan get there and go I can't play this guy as a second pairing defenseman because we can sit there and blame the GM for 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 um, bringing the guy in, but he's not responsible for what goes on on the ice. The coach is. So at what point? Do you get there as a coach and go, this is not working?
0: Well, I mean, there's also the um, factor of, yes, we're not in that um, conference room or when they discuss these things. So, uh, complete speculation, but hey, what if boss is like, don't make me look like an idiot, you need to play him. Put him there. He'll figure it out.
1: So, so the issue with that is they, they get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs or, heaven forbid, they don't make the playoffs. Then what do you do if you're the coach? You're the team that didn't make the playoffs for the first time since Pittsburgh have made it.
0: I think you got to speak up, but it might not work. This is a hard-headed Just, GM that, that comes off as the old folksy grandpa, but he'll throw people under the bus the second he can. He did it with oh, Mike Johnston and yeah. handling Daniel Sprong. The two cups or not? If it push comes to shove, uh, you know, Jim's burning this team to the ground before he retires, one way or another.
1: Yeah, the um, the bottom's gonna be bad.
0: Because <laughs> I, I, I was gonna doing have some that fort- I was doing some trade, yeah, deadline stuff and looking at what kind of draft picks they have to play around with, and it's not much. They don't have the second-round pick from this year. Uh, it went for Bugstad, so understandable. I'm not um, dissing that trade. Um, the third-rounder uh, for Broussard, uh is in play. The fourth-rounder this year for Bugstad. Then you look at next year, and... They don't have a second-round pick. That second-round pick that thought it would be way, way into the future—you know, the one they had to give to give away Mark Andre Fleury—that uh, one's that one. next year already. So they don't have a second-round pick next yeah. year. Sometimes teams will trade like a second or third rounder from the next year um, to make a trade. Um, there's evidence of that with the third-round pick for Broussard not being there this year. Now, if Connor Sherry. Um, who I referenced a little bit earlier in the Matt Hunwick stuff is able to get to 20 goals and 40, 20 goals or 40 points, the Penguins would get a third rounder from Buffalo. But right now, that's just a fourth. Sherry missed time to injury. Um, not looking likely um, that he is going to hit that, so no third rounder. So now you're kind of neutered at what you can do. Um, you have a first rounder, but some of these guys. That you might want to look at aren't really first rounder caliber options. So you're either going to overpay or you're just not in the not in the race yeah. for it. Um, Sherry yeah. has nine goals and twenty four points. So yeah, that's not going to happen.
1: Um, what what do you do? Like I I can't see them. Being able to move Pearson, who seems like the one player that needs to be moved. Everybody else seems to be contributing. I um
0: I like McCann.
1: Yeah. I I wasn't sure what to expect. Him being third line center allows Bukestad to play on the wing with Malcolm and Kessel. And I think this team has to load up with two lines and just pray that McCann breaks even.
0: Well, there, there there is the other option, um, which Patrick Hornquist needs to get going. The coach needs to find a way to get him going and playing him in the third line. We know what happens with that. He's, he's a complementary piece. Unless the other guys are doing the heavy lifting and he gets to whack away at front of the net, you're not going to get the $5 million value. He's got to play on, on one the, of the two lines.
1: And he can't be on that first power play unit anymore. I'm sorry. That has to be Gensel's spot,
0: yeah. At least for the time being. Because, I mean, I think Gensel's showcase, what I've been saying a long time, might do it uh, different, differently, but his eye-hand coordination, ability to tip pucks, ability to, to score in close, um, you know, you don't have to be a bulldog to be successful in front of the net.
1: No. He's slippery. No one seems to be able to sort of lock him down that often. Like Hornquist literally just muscles his way through other people being physical with him.
0: Well, yeah, like, that's what I mean. Be... One's a cerebral player, yeah. one's a very physical player. I'm not calling Patrick Hornquist stupid. That is not no, what I'm doing. Different. I am saying that Jake Gensel uses <laughs> spatial awareness to find his areas where Hornquist is fine um, just bulldozing his way and, you know, he's had success doing that but it's the spatial awareness that leads up all to the other benefits of being on a power play having passing skills that kind of stuff that I would that I personally value more than a limited net front presence anyways that wasn't my point my point was you got to get hornquist going at even strength because he was doing a good job this year better than last with his even strength production but he has no points in 13 games or something uh, around there they need him to produce at five mil that's a big spot to not have well, production
1: you're right he's not going to produce in the bottom six so you have to spread somebody else around you have to move somebody somewhere else what do you do do you touch that top line and put him on the yeah on the i left think hand side
0: where rust is i put him on the right wing with sid or- or you put him on the right wing with Malkin and bump Kessel down to a, a with Bugstad, and hope that McCann or uh, Simone or Pearson get their head out of their ass and do something. More so, I meant that towards Pearson, not. And that's the Shit. other thing. Like Simone has been healthy scratched. Bluger's getting healthy scratched. Um,
1: that one. That one's mind boggling to me. I'm sorry. But he has shown he belongs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to just scratch him because you, you want to keep a veteran in the lineup is, is baffling to me. It shouldn't be. Just like, play your you best know, well. this, this coach is... Yeah, exactly.
0: So, the thing with McCann that I like that um, th- th- he... I think he's a former first-round draft pick, and there's a few things that I see him doing that would uh, kind of align with the thinking of taking someone like that in a first round, even if they don't necessarily pan out. Yeah. To that level, is he looks to make plays. He looks to make the controlled exits and entries. He doesn't just blindly um, hit the puck in, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. No. No. He wants to keep. The, he wants to keep the puck.
0: And for me, that's a big deal. I, I don't like the limited players that just get it, neutral zone, red line, don't pick their head up. It's just robotic. Um, McCants, uh, at least in my limited sample of watching him, he appears to try and think the game and to make some plays, and I appreciate that. I can I can I can work with that. Um, that. That should make any coach happy. Um, and when they do eventually make a puck mistake – trying to do that, um, you should have a little bit of leeway as long as it's not an all-the-time thing because over the course of time, you should be making more plays. So the the team does have to figure out, is Bugstad the third-line center or is McCann the third-line center? And they've got a little bit more time to do that, but the coach seems to jumble the roster so frequently. I don't think anybody ever gets a sense of what's working and what's not.
1: No, I don't know how they would make a decision on that. Because you're right, it's a blender at the moment. Um, and I've, I've seen you, you tweet this out before. The HBK line was lightning. And this year, the basically, Sid and Gensel and whoever's on the other side of the ice have, have been lightning. So they do kind of have that consistency in one line. But... How are you supposed to get a feel... And the players themselves, actually. How are they supposed to get a feel for their teammates if they're constantly going up and down the lineup? It It, it would be... Um, you know, Sid and Gino are unique in very different ways. And so, and so is Phil. Like, all three of those, those players bring something completely different. And if you're playing with Phil, you've got to give him the puck, allow him to use the puck down the left-hand side of the... Or down the ice on the wing... And then, you know, drive to the net for the pass or the rebound. Whereas with Gino, you give it to him through the middle of the ice and, and play a completely different way again. So, Sid slows the game down. It. I don't think it would be easy as a player that doesn't think the game like those three do to constantly have to switch and adjust to what they do.
0: Okay, so that Surface Pro Charger that I referenced at the very beginning of the podcast has come to bite us in the ass this week. So, apologies for the shortened podcast, but a little bit fitting. This podcast has been brought to you by Jack Johnson. See you next week.